Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. She always kind of regarded you, or my impression of it was always kind of like the golden child. You're not a child, you've grown man, you know what I'm saying? But you ever feel pressure around that? Yeah, I used to struggle with that a little bit in terms of feeling like, you know, I want to live up to his expectations, even though he doesn't have any. <laughs> I want to live up to the city's expectations, and I want to live up to my own. I guess I just haven't fulfilled my, my full destiny just yet because there's still much more to do. Welcome back to Fresh Off the Spaceship. I'm Larry Mizell Jr., DJ, writer, your guide in this podcast. And I'm your co-host, Martin Douglas. Throughout each episode of this podcast, we've been diving deep into the story of the Black Constellation. On our last episode, we took a look at the work and life of Nep Sidhu. If you haven't listened back to that or any of our previous episodes, please clear some space out and give those a listen. You'll definitely want to go back and check out our past episodes if this is the first one you're hearing because you managed to skip all the way to the end. Damn. We have reached the finale of this limited series. It's almost time for us to touch back down on planet Earth. Before we do, here on the final episode of Fresh Off the Spaceship, we're taking a look at Porter Ray. Poet Laureate of the Central District. Let me take you on a journey Used to laugh at Bert and Ernie Now they trying to blast and burn me Crooked officers, attorneys Trying to take away my innocence Close my eyes and reminisce My mom's work from 10 to 6 I'm playing Sega Genesis My uncle's still smoking roofs Hanging with the older crews Twisting blunts, open brews While I'm reading, show and prove Unsigned hype, I rhyme tight Gotta get my grind right One day I'ma shine bright Front page, five mics Porter Ray As a rising MC dubbed The Golden Child by Ishmael Butler, who's recorded three EPs, a few mixtapes, and his debut for Sub Pop, Watercolor. Mr. Porter Ray Sullivan, Porter Ray. There's nobody touching peas like deliveries and metaphors and flavor and style and grace. Nobody. Not in my city. Don't nobody make me feel like Porter Ray, you know? A light... Just gifted and like smart. That's my baby boy. Uh, he's a wavy, uh, poetic P. 17 when I met her, was a queen. If I ever seen one, believe, huh? Everything I say, I mean, once upon a rhyme, flirt with crime when it's purchase time. It's probably gang, twisted, dang, shoplifted, twisted with the top lifted. Yeah, that's how your voice feels like sunshine at lunchtime. Quarters is like eloquent without being pretentious. Porter's gift with the language is, is really special, but it's also extremely honest and vulnerable. 
some might even say to a fault. I wouldn't. That's a guy that has always seemed to have a really, it's a dumb word to use, uh, but like kind of literary angle on hip hop, you know, like a, a real sort of storyteller's eye and like a great knack for metaphor also. And yeah, he like seemed to be um, gifted in that regard, you know, in terms of his lyricism and his like sort of song craft ability. There is this expectation always placed on Black artists and also POC artists that we always have to be talking about politics, that we always have to be talking about something respectable instead of making things that look and sound good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I like about Porter is that the voice lands so nicely. Tell me it's real. Tell me you feel what I feel. Tell me it wasn't them pills. Tell me it's mine. You tell me it's all in my mind. Telling me all of the time. Tell me I'm flawed. Tell me my value, my cost. Tell me I'm hurting, I'm lost. Say that I'm wrong. Tell me I'm taking too long. I might put your name in the song. You know me, I like a lot of niggas from the town, man, a lot of rappers. But to me, he's the best that Seattle ever produced. His essentialness brought something out in me that was awakened really excitement in me that I had like sort of thought maybe was a thing of the past. The idea of potential or promise comes with a heavy weight because the failure to live up to it is a distinct possibility. At various points in his career, many people have touted Porter Ray as the future of the city. From his very first full-length projects, mixtapes as they used to be called, Porter revealed himself very early as a singular talent in Seattle's fertile rap scene. Even prior to his dreams to excel in the field of hip-hop, Porter had aspirations to become an NBA star. With lofty ambitions always come debilitating setbacks, and Porter has certainly had his share of both. Porter's writing not only articulates the weight of high expectations, but also the weight of grief. Losing his father, and then his brother, and then the mother of his eldest son. The sense of mourning that never leaves him. He recites gorgeous words about regular brushes with violence, the stress of co-parenting, love, sex, the allure of the outlaw lifestyle, bullets lodged in the passenger door of a sedan, safe houses in Federal Way. A vivid eye for detail appears all over Porter songs, but also a sense of place. Seattle and a few of its surrounding areas serve as a striking backdrop for all of his narratives. Aaron got killed, pilled, Molly eased the pain. But hearing Joyce saying was as common as the rain. Never felt such a feeling when the delta the ceiling with the top back. Riding with my pops through the blocks back when your boy was younger. Me and my little brother, big headed, skinny nigga. I always had hunger. My mom's name me Porter Ray. Born the 4th of May. 88, light skinned with a baby face. Started out with hoop dreams, but now I'm on the paper chase. So, would you fall in love with hip hop? Hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. Even with all the talent Porter's already exhibited, even though he's dropped some of the most graceful music this city has ever seen, who knows if he's even in his prime yet? At 34 years old, Porter's still a young man with many more stories to tell, in an art form where its practitioners are figuring out how to age gracefully in their art. A far cry from a young Ishmael Butler pushing 30 feeling as though he was going to age out of the rap game. 
Even with a decade's worth of projects under his belt, Porter is still being lauded as the future of Seattle hip-hop, appropriate for a gifted artist born, raised, and still living in the Central District. Throughout this podcast, the CD has been described several different ways. Descriptions of the neighborhood hit differently, though, when they're written by Porter Ray. Born in Group Health Central Hospital on 15th and John, he went to school in the area and discovered his love for basketball through various community centers and ball camps. The CD not only shaped his writing, but the person that he would become. Regular kid from the district, Garfield Community Center, you know, Miller Community Center, mm-hmm. um, Bob Bender's basketball camp, Jason okay. Terry basketball camp, right. playing AAU ball, playing CYO ball, and um, just growing up in that melting pot of the CD from the valley to the south side mm-hmm. of Jackson. And um, that's where all my friends are from. That's where uh, I got my style from. That's where I got my language from. That's where I got my morals from. Mm-hmm. The people that were older than me, uh, whether it was at school, whether it was on the court, just walking through the neighborhood, right. um, on the block, wherever, I, uh, I absorbed all of that like a sponge. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a luscious time. It was a luscious environment to grow up in. I feel very, very blessed and privileged to have grown up in, in the CD at the time that, uh, that I did. Eyes blue shades, stay blended. Face new hunters, ink pens, stay flooded. How you want it? Seattle stylistic. Fly Mystic Max Miles Davis to the district. High business, Porter Ray spoke jazz. Quote math, engulfed in the streets, broke cash. Flow indigo, pharaohs dance, flamenco. Sketch rhyme around midnight light. My team glow, always. From the shadows of the hallways. Post downtown, hop the train back to Broadway. Bouncing with brown skinned girls from the south end. Smoke loud, riding right near, peep the mountains, always. The Central District has historically been redlined and then gentrified, nearly into oblivion. At one point in Seattle's history, it was the city's most racially diverse neighborhood. That's an interesting thing, too, about being an MC from here. And, and another thing that was important to me in terms of documentation was because it's, it's our culture as Black people. Yeah. And outside of Seattle, you wouldn't really know that. that and, and, and that's what was crazy about growing up in the CD because... It's always been a small percentage of black folks here, but it was so, such a, again, just a luscious village yeah. of black folks and such a close-knit and yeah. like tight-knit community. And it was all black folks, you know? And like, of, of course, you know, like white folks too, but like it was black neighborhood. Definitely. And, and yeah, you got people that are doing, you know, doing what they do, but you also got people who are doing really well. Yeah. And so that was another beautiful thing to see. You know, you try to convey that to somebody now, or even when we were growing up, trying to convey that to somebody on the East Coast or, or anywhere. And as an MC, feeling like, man, are people going to care about what we're dealing with and what we're struggling with here? Are they going to think it's soft? Or are they going to think it's, it's fake or it's watered down or whatever? You know what I'm saying? For sure. And so that was, uh, that was another one of my um, conquests, was trying to provide the stories and the imagery and the reality of, of what was really going on here without even, but without trying to like overdo it or anything like that. Just do it vividly. 
so they descend now. Some dreams are far away. But if you don't try to get there, it's a guarantee you won't. So achieving your dreams might be far away. That's better than not having a dream. Yo, careful, you signed your deal. Success will blind you still. Pursue your dream through the movie screen. Try to find what's real. My mother whispered words of wisdom. I hit the urban. Reminisce on when me and my moms would sit in church. Porter was born to a black mother and a father of Irish descent. His mom moved to Seattle from Arkansas at the age of three, and his father was born in the city. Music flooded Porter's household, as both his parents had a voracious appetite for spinning records. Many of his relatives were musicians themselves, father and my mother share a huge vinyl collection and so music was something that was always going on in the house and uh, something that was always talked about, spoken about. On both sides of my family, my father's side of the family, most people uh, play guitar, okay. sing. And that was something that we would do when we got together as a family. You know, somebody's going to pull out the guitar, people are going to start singing. When I'm with my pop's family, also one of my uncles is a, a jazz uh, trumpetist. I think he plays trump. And my uncle Lee is a jazz musician on my um, mother's side. Porter recalls listening to rap and R&B with his older cousins, trying their hand at freestyling. More musicians in his family crop up in his memory. For some of us, music is as essential as oxygen, and Porter's family was no exception. On my father's side, my older cousin, most of them were very much into hip-hop. Not even most, all of them were super into hip-hop, R&B and just music in general. So there was a lot of freestyles, and I was that's, that's when I was wow. getting, like, when I would get out of the old old school hits, and it wasn't Frankie Beverly right. and, um, you know, Aretha, and then it got into, now I'm, I can hear Big for for the first time, or like in mm-hmm. and, and the unedited version, and right. Pac, and, um, and uh, also my cousin Thad, too, is a jazz musician. So I grew up around right. a lot of music, where it's just natural for yeah. people to, to know how to play instruments in my family. And um, on top of my parents just having a very eclectic taste in music and just always having music on, whether they're cleaning the house, cooking, eating dinner, like anytime, mm-hmm. it's on. I just want to study and travel through deserts Carried by camels, mixing remedies And channel energy, circled by candles Watch my destiny unravel Survive all my battles With fortresses and castles and porches And different pastels Enemies try and cast spells Mesmerized by sex and lies Dazzled by the dice, gamble Judges waving gavels They pistols pop and crackle Flee with fire in they flannels Counting cash flow, hiding ammo Dope in the door a big narrative thread in Porter's early music concerned his hoop dreams, his aspirations to become an NBA star. After participating in various youth leagues and basketball camps, he played ball in high school, inspired in part by one of his biggest inspirations, his father. My father played ball at Western. He was a walk-on. It's something I'm really proud of, actually. Yeah. Both on record and during our recent chat, Porter has mentioned his father's coolness and good taste. He also spoke about how his parents first started dating. It's an ill story about my moms and my pops. Uh, my mom is, I think, 16 at the time, and she's a lifeguard down at uh, Mount Baker Beach. Okay. And she's doing her thing. She's at work, and my pops is um, walking around with his boombox with his radio on his shoulder, and it's pumping um, Who's That Lady ah. by the Isley Bros. Yeah. And he stops at her and uh, waits for a sec. And she looks at him, they exchange a glance. And then he um, 
I think my mom's is like, you know, like what or whatever, because he's he's taking a gander. And he says, I'm not going to leave until you answer the question. <laughs> and this is the introduction ah. of my parents. Um, and, uh, you know, then um, then they end up getting married, having me. Uh, my pops was a slick dude. Yeah, slick dude. Very smooth. Um, real classic, classic dude, you know. Was driving me and my brother and sister around in his uh, Delta 88 in the Oldsmobile. Always was well-dressed. Taught me and my homeboys how to iron our clothes and stuff real young, how to keep ourselves proper. Always playing ball, very active. And again, tunes. A lot of tunes, mm-hmm. all the time. Seeds from a white man, born from a black woman, backseat, Delta 88. Now we back grooving, white gush, white soft top with the white walls. All of the brown moms pushing me out as my life call. Spring baby, sky's navy right before the summertime. 12 inches got me humming rhymes, average white man. Delphonics, 45 twist, I smell chronic Frankie Beverly. And haze. Pops ain't the average white man. Top hat, crop slacks, Ferragamo hard bottoms, drop top. Wind bit my face before God got him. Eyes was in his tape deck. Take me to the park, walk with me. All I hear is footsteps in the dark. Spark my ganja. Now I blow guava, low samas, blow agua. Ha ha. Smoke lava, North Face. Sometime after that day on Mount Baker Beach, Porter's parents ended up having three children. He describes the supportive and well traveled upbringing he and his siblings had. I'm the oldest of three. Okay. My younger brother and my younger sister, Aaron and Siobhan. Where I'm six years older than my sister, three years older than my brother. Yeah. Grew up in uh, an environment with all the potential you could ask for. Yeah. Loving parents. Um, always family around. We got to travel when we were younger. You know, I remember going to Mexico when we were younger, going to Hawaii, things like that. I was the only kid with my basketball in Mexico because everyone's playing soccer. Right. And I'm the only one with my basketball and uh, and the only black kid around trying to hoop. I remember I, bought, uh, I came back from Mexico. I had the, I had the fake FUBU backpack <laughs> <laughs> coming in the fifth grade. Right. So those things, um, little memories like that were uh, very, very precious to me. Porter treasuring memories of his childhood comes from a life of grieving lost loved ones, which started with his father when he was just a teenager. Porter remembers being a caretaker for his father when he was in high school and ultimately when his father passed away. My father got sick with MS um, when I was around 11 or 12. And so that was an ill time for me too. Ill time for me and my siblings from my whole family. And then, yeah, lost my father when I was like 16, ended up losing my brother when I was 18. And that, both of those events were a very huge part of my artistic journey. Yeah. When I lost my father, I stopped being so into hoop. I was super into hoop. I was at Oday. This was my junior year. And he had already been sick and it was slowly deteriorating. And it was a tough time. I had to... At a young age, I was helping my father walk, go up and down stairs, eat his food, you know, taking care of him. Just yeah. just someone who needs care at the house. And I remember he was still, even though he was sick, he would be like, first he was on his cane. He would still come to my hoop games. Then he was in his uh, walker, then the wheelchair, then like just in the bed. But yeah. he would always come to my hoop games. 
it was it was a tough time. And as he was getting sicker and there was more responsibility on me and, and it was just opening my mind to real life and maturing in a lot of ways and, and just yeah, dealing with real life. Right. And um that that got me into tapping into my artistic side a lot more. I was talking about Hoop and how he used to come see me because eventually he passed and then it kind of tore me away from basketball because I didn't feel like I had someone watching me anymore or someone to play for. Right, in your corner. In my corner um, at all times, no matter what, you know, even at his worst, in my corner still. And so that that was the first event that really started steering me towards. And I was always into poetry and into drawing. I could draw real well just love art, you know, love photography and film. And that really got me into writing more and expressing myself and, and trying to get those feelings out. And the same with my brother. When my brother passed, that's when I really finally decided, like, I got to put this out and, yeah. and talk about my story and express myself. And my whole plan was to just put something out and try to connect to people just because I just felt the need to do it. Yeah. Um, but those two events uh, specifically, you know, kind of altered altered my whole universe um, and set me on the course that I'm on now. Should be working on my jumper, but I wasn't choosing right. Shit is serious, bro. I don't think I'm making six, period. My mom's a that, plus my girl missed a period. I'm bagging broccoli, probably could have got a scholarly life hurt me. Ain't getting letters from universities. Perjury, my nigga caught a murder in the third degree. That's when it occurred to me. This shit wasn't meant for me. No college scouts, only get letters from penitentiaries. Correctional facilities, denied us our abilities to progress. When you hear me, hope you're feeling me. It comes through in your art, you know, the spirits of your brother and your dad uh, are a big part of the narrative you weave in all of your music, you know, you mentioned the Delta 88. I recognize that song <laughs> yeah. right away. Yeah. You talk about your brother in very stirring ways in many songs. Yeah. Kind of talking about the folks you lost. And those aren't the only folks you lost, I assume. You're of a certain age from the Central, so. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of people that we lost young, whether they were incarcerated or we just lost them early to... Um, the next life. But uh, it's crazy to me because I feel like those people are chosen. And because um, they were just, I, everyone I think about that I lost in, in either of those ways, they were just like the best of the best. Mm. Just some of the illest individuals that I've ever had the pleasure to meet. I like to look at it like they were chosen. And that's something that I've also had to deal with in general, because when you start losing people, and when you lose a lot of people, I mean, you have to make sense of it. And so you tell yourself that, you know, these people are chosen. It's just, um, they're better for it. They're making you better for it. They're in a better place. I mean, they, it's like VIP. Right. Like you ain't even done enough right. to get in there yet. You got to um, right. you gotta get your Zelda hearts up right. a little right. bit. Right, right, <laughs> Get your heart container. Yeah. And so I also, um, yeah, lost many friends. I ended up... Losing my best friend, mm. also my first son's mother, Joy. And that was a week after Watercolor had come out. And so it's been a, it's been a lot of loss. But it's, a, again, it's such a huge part of why I feel like I, as a orator and as a, a writer that I need to 
capture those moments, highlight those people, and uh, celebrate them, and and yeah, encapsulate like yeah. the time period, the things that we did, the things that we seen. Like these people are so ill to me that I can't help but just tell everybody about it. <laughs> you don't have a forty over here, bro. That's good. Porter lost a lot of his people, his friends, his family. Ended up finding newfound family right up the hill at a boutique on Capitol Hill called Laced Up, which eventually evolved into punctuation gallery, community space, organized by Mekoyo Ali Barnes, which would set the stage for the formation of the Black Constellation. I first met Porter when he was in middle school at St. Therese. Me and my uh, collaborator and good brother Christoph Roberts went and did a um, art class, like a kind of one-off art class at my old elementary in Madrona. And he was probably in like the eighth grade and him and his little brother were around there and they were, yeah, they were a little too cool for the art, uh, the art project we were doing, <laughs> but they were funny dudes, so we had a good time. That was the first time I really remember Many years later, the two would cross paths again. Porter was just off the block in the district all the time. Now that I think about it, even before I realized that, you know what I mean, put you know, kind of put the two and two together. It was the same dude from middle school. He was, you know, running around, participating in different entrepreneurial ventures in the neighborhood. <laughs> when we started punctuation, he was kind of like perennially there, man. It was always like, you know, we had this collective of people who would be extremely helpful, but Inevitably, when it came time to hang a show, people, a lot of people would have other things that they needed to get done. Right. But um, Porter was like, clockwork was there, like every exhibition to help hang shows. Porter quickly established himself as an essential part of the team at Punctuation, ingratiating himself at MAB. I mean, the thing to me that's always been endearing is dude would, you know, always ask me if I had eaten or if I needed anything. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, you know, you when you're in certain realities, people, I think, always assume, you know, you're good. But the reality was, in some cases, man, I hadn't eaten. And were it not for him, you know, sliding next door to the honey hole and getting me a sandwich, I probably wouldn't have eaten. Right. Whether I had money in my pocket or not, it was more just about the fact that time-wise, it wasn't, you know, right. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. Um, and I honestly wouldn't even have thought about it if he hadn't asked. Mm-hmm. So. This is my first, like, point of uh, initiation with mm-hmm. these people. You know, I'm still, like, a young teenager, but I'm at the end of my teenage years, kind of, and uh, out of high school and starting to develop myself in that way. And, and that was my, my introductory point. And so a link with McCoy and started um, building with him. He took me under his wing. Ish would come around every once in a while. The first time I met P was at Punctuation. Um, he was working there and the second time I'm, I was going to say one thing about Pete, that's amazing. Cause I'm a forgetful nigga, bro. Like, but I remember every time I've ever seen Porter, 
that's how much of an impression he he always leaves on me. I remember I, I was asking Ish at the time if he had a picture of him and Diggable that I could use to put on a T-shirt. And he gave me this photo that uh, that we actually never ended up using to do the shirt. But that was, again, just starting to be around these guys and build with these guys. And so then that's kind of like real, like, uh, genesis yeah. of, like, the constellation mm-hmm. for me. I had a dream. I was draped in gold like clay. Took shape and mold by God's grace. My face traced in charcoal. My eyes was acrylic. Put the pencil to the line in the temple of my mind. Hieroglyphics basking in the sun that came with their lances and their guns. And we was just dancing to the drums. Captured by Europeans, I fought in the Coliseums. I murdered enough rappers, they finally gave me my freedom. Now let the crowd see them. Baptized in the Nile. See, I was chastised as a child, becoming more of a man. Barefoot, I walked the shores and the sands. Calluses and sores on my hands, exploring the lands. Reporter, being around Laced Up and then later Punctuation, surrounded him with examples and mentors that only fueled his then-secret passion for rhyming. Now, of course, he knew Vitamin D from around the way. Vitamin D is a Seattle legend, absolutely intrinsic to anything hip-hop from here. He's also the host of Street Sounds here at KEXP. Porter grew up around some of Vita's cousins. During a road trip to L.A. with Mekoyo, Porter heard Vitamin D's production work on a release from Seattle hip-hop duo Narcotic. And, you know, instantly after a second, when I'm hearing what they're saying, I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this, you right, know? <laughs> right. right. Um, it was the first time for me that I was hearing people talk about my neighborhood and specifically talking about my neighborhood in a way that, like, they're talking about the streets, but also how they talk, you know, when they're painting the picture for you and, and what they're seeing and how this person dresses or how they dress. It was like looking in the mirror. We turn up the central district's most lifted. Ain't no secret people. The pH balance must have shifted in favor of these major haters and police plus black watch out to cock block on the paper. Shakers assault with a WNC need to be put to a halt now. Let's take a look, see for these ones that should be rookies. Sprung off the introduction to the cookies and crumbs. It's just something that we do. That's right. We all rhyme. <laughs> right. so, you know, like we all play ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I told somebody I play ball, they wouldn't think that was special or unique or something like that. And that's how I think about rap in, in my neighborhood. Like everybody I know rhymes. Um, but that was a pivotal moment for me that really influenced me and inspired me. It's the Central District all the way out to the South End. The amount of people that that we grew up around that had the abilities and talents that are similar to the ones that we are up here talking about now and and people interested in us now for. Um, Everybody was talented like that. Everybody was funny. Everybody was courageous. Everybody could play two or three sports. Everybody could dance. Where I'm from, looking paper with my thumbs, make the chickens come, blunt hit my lungs since I was young. Where you from? Looking paper with your thumbs, make the chickens come, blunt hit my lungs since I was young. I despise the clown, heard heavy lies the crown, lost but I was found, strategized as I drive around. And rentals playing instrumentals, trying to find my sound. Got my credentials from the underground, now I spit platinum. 
Bust a nut in the magnet split paper up and fractures me, Ike and Nate Jackson, what's happening? Fuck pussy with a passion She drawn by attraction to my cars and my fashion Urban thugs, roll dice on Persian rugs We're murdered gloves and wasn't us And we don't give a fuck who you heard it was Writing music was just an after-school activity at first for Porter But soon he began to take it very seriously He met his boy Caesar, Who began helping him record and produce tracks And soon they were off and running Stacking demos and tracks For what? Nobody was sure yet when I first got hip to the music, he handed me over a file that had like 80 or 90 songs. Like, you know, which for somebody you didn't even know was making music is it's a statement, you know what I mean? It's significant. Like, and some of them were just sketches and they weren't finished. And some of them, you know, I've come to know as other songs or, you know, but a lot of them I haven't heard since. McCoyo also introduced him to Jeff Gillis music industry veteran who would eventually become his manager. I started hanging out around Jeff more during the punctuation era. I used to sell weed to him and shit <laughs> at the time. Working at Laced Up almost has been the most beneficial thing that's ever happened in my career because I got to meet all the promoters all that, that were coming through and dropping off flyers. I got to meet all the MCs who were coming through and dropping off flyers for their shows. I met all the DJs. I met all the just music heads or tastemakers of the city. And that was something that when I started rhyming, everyone already knew who I was. And that was something that I think has been like probably the most beneficial thing in my career because that's what tapped me into all the individuals that I'm naming and started putting me in these situations. And eventually, you know, got me sitting here talking to you, got me um, to, to be able to be a part of this collective. When Porter began to pursue a rap career in earnest, he released a trio of projects titled Black Gold, White Gold, and Rose Gold. Those releases immediately brought Porter to the forefront of artists to watch in Seattle. The sessions for Black Gold produced such good work that the project had to be extended into two more EPs. As a result, the Gold trilogy hit the Seattle streets to rapturous acclaim. That was me trying to put out something that I felt like was when an artist puts out their first piece of work and um, it's like you just try to make it as pure as possible and I saw I'm super influenced by 90s hip hop and by that golden spot in history and also the jazz influence of Seattle the rainy day I was also trying to trying to really really encapsulate and like define what our sound was. Yes. Like what was the Seattle sound? West Coast got a sound, but we're talking like Cali or we're talking NorCal or SoCal. Yeah. Got a sound. Yeah. East Coast got a sound, Midwest, down south, everywhere got a sound. So it was like, what's ours? And what can I, what can guide me? And so that that was me trying to pay an homage to 90s hip hop and just be have it be nostalgic. And so I was using a lot of Dill Withers beats. Um, these just, you know, just grimy, just beautiful loops. Um, and I was also trying to define the sound for myself. And I'm not trying to define Seattle sound for nobody else, but for me, that that's what it was. I try to speak to the the listener like they're they're a friend of mine, and I can just bring them in. And I I, I like to document what's going on in my life. And so when I go back and listen, I can know, okay, I was there. 
This was what was going on at the time. Memory lane where I used to play the pavement. Burning Mary Jane, I'm wondering where the days went. This young boy wandering. So I approached that peace, little man. Gave him dab, shook his little hand. Helly hand, 501s in a pair of vans. Put out his smoke, saved his roach with his little grins. He had this look in his eyes, I could see lost. Ice wet, wrist woven in frozen vaults. I asked him what books he been reading lately. He said none, said his pops ain't seen him lately. Teachers won't relate, his mom's been drinking lately. Scheming lately, everyone except these fiends seem to hate me. Only place I get love is the block. I see keys in my dreams, sleep hubs in my socks. Some hustle for the thrill. I hustle cause it's trill, it's necessity. I pray to God it won't get the best of me. Hope I live long enough to reach my destiny. I remember riding around with Ish, and he's playing me these tracks from Porter, and I was just like, yo, what the fuck? This guy is crazy talented and, like, poetic. That word comes up a lot, but P is just, like, gifted. Like, he uses his voice like a paintbrush. P thinks so much about what Seattle could and does and should sound like, and, like, I feel like he really nailed it to, to a high degree on Black Gold in particular. Yeah, absolutely. The first time I heard it, it was mind-blowing how accurately he captured not only, like, the sights and sounds and happenings and neighborhoods of Seattle, but, like, the feel. Yeah. Like, you can you can feel it overcast on, on the album just listening to it. Thought that was incredible. It's an incredible thing to do with words and with music. Absolutely. Like, you have to have a lot of a high degree of emotional intelligence to be able to convey that feeling and be able to get to the heart of all of these characters he's talking about, people living in the city, these different, you know, these different uh, cities. That's the same city. He does that so well because he straddles these worlds so well. I always think of Nas when it comes to Porter, the classic, like, you know, project window. You know, looking looking out at everything going on. And he's not just an observer either. You know what I mean? He's got such an amazing sensitivity for the soul of this place. And I think that's so important at a time when the soul of this place is disappearing. I I always trip over, and he's probably sick of me talking about 5950. And I love all of Porter's catalog, but that song is absolutely one of my favorite Seattle hip-hop songs of all time. Twisting up sticky for niggas who ain't with me. I puss it in the air, put on a fresh pair of grippies. I hope you got yours, yo, I got mine with me. Cause niggas catching bullets through they 5950s. Twisting up The way it captures the feel of this place, the tragedy of being from this tiny community uh, that's torn apart by gun violence and, you know, seeing people you grew up with uh, murdered and uh, treated like, you know, disposable garbage. And him reminiscing and, and, and talking to the people he'd lost uh, while he's driving around Lake Washington. Like, you you can't not feel it if you're from here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think of Checkmate. I think oh, yeah. Checkmate is like my, my quintessential Seattle song. On pretty days, I seen 550's gray sliding down Denny Way, smooth like when Penny played, but anyways. On pretty days, I see 550's gray sliding down Denny Way, smooth like when Penny played, but anyways. 
and just the neighborhoods that he rides through and not just the neighborhoods that he rides through but like the gear people are rocking like North Face fleeces and Pendleton flannels like you know it's very incredibly specific Mm -hmm. to this city yeah he talks about you know He's got a fresh pair of Griffies on. Like, you just see Seattle uniform, you know, coming through his pen and his gift of collaboration and the way he bounces off of his collaborators. Like, he finds where he is in that room, sort of like Eric Blood talked about, you know, putting sound in a room. He's in that room with his collaborators and he figures out exactly where to move his sonic furniture, where to put his voice which way to come at it and he's always unique he's always fresh you don't hear him reusing cadences you definitely don't hear him imitating anybody he's such a gifted memoirist too like that's the that's the thing that sets porter apart from most rappers is that but not only can porter really rap he sketches out his life in this very very graceful very soulful way like a line like miss my pops miss my bro twist the top hit the dro niggas lock no he missed the block no he missed the hose like i could just Killer. i could just yeah. quote porter all, all day. day like Straight that's up. the episode in fact thank you thank you all <laughs> this has been fresh off the spaceship I'm Martin Douglas. I'm Larry Vizel Jr. Miss my pops, miss my bro. Twist the top, hit the draw. Niggas lock. No, he missed the block. No, he missed the hoes. Missing years. No, he missed his gear. No, he missed the clothes. Spilling beers. Dead or in jail. Yo, I miss them both. Also, a great thing about Porter is that he um he plays he plays with nostalgia so well. Like, yeah. and it's not like in a in a cheesy way. Like, yeah. oh, the times were so much better back then. It was. It's like he sees things the way they were. And he's able to sketch that out gracefully and like almost like a, a Gordon Parks photograph. Absolutely. He's a classicist like that. He's a traditionalist who's totally contemporary. He sees things the way that they were and he sees echoes of those things in the people that are outside today, in the buildings that are still standing, even though if those businesses or what have you are gone. One day I'ma shine bright, front page, five mics. Yeah, one day I'ma shine bright, front page, five mics. Porter has this gift of going back in a way that makes you hear his influences and make you realize how kind of futuristic they were. When I hear him, I hear how he reflects on cats like Infinite and Narcotic and, and Ishmael. And how all of the music that they made was actually ahead of its time. He points to the past in a way that takes you to the future. And it's really cold-blooded. And he does it with such humility and grace in everything he does. Yeah, we can dead all this Drake Jr. talk to, man. Nah, man, come on. Let me tell tell y'all something. (laughs) Porter would wax Drake and all of his ghostwriters for Dolo. And I would stake my reputation on that. Absolutely. I think that it's like a a testament to how people took P when he came out that they immediately started comparing him to like the newest, hottest shit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just because he was a wavy, light-skinned cat. It's because he's clearly very gifted in a way that breaks through. That, to me, is is part of that comparison. And he doesn't like 
Doesn't seem like he feels any kind of way about it, but would he wax Drake? <laughs> like a million times over. There's no question. And 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 with style, his own style, from his own place. He wouldn't have to take styles from Houston and Atlanta and mm. in Jamaica and London and then try to uh uh colonize it and, and serve it to you. You know what I'm saying? The way the Drizzy does. He comes from his own block and will take you out. That's a beautiful thing. Gray hoodie, Clark's crepe, leather black licorice, SRTA, twist the mag with magnificence. Weather was whatever, trees puff, take a hit of this. Blend it with my bro, show niggas that I'm with the shit. Index pinched blunts with thumbs cracked tense, recline behind windshield. Focus but bent, approach with intent to distribute different fruits. 40 cal flutes blow. Thought shit was cute, niggas is clutch with caliber. Shit ain't no fluke, bullets shoot through your challenge, you're bleeding. He start to puke if he play me. Talk to me about watercolor and the the process of linking up with Sub Pop and everything. So the process with Sub Pop again, Ish got a hold of the music of the tunes. And we already have rapport with each other and kind of we're aware of each other and I think it actually, um, I think it impressed him probably that I wasn't reaching out to him or trying to send him my music. Yeah. He just happened to stumble upon it. Mm-hmm. I think it would, it might have turned out differently, maybe, if I had tried to send it to him or something like that. Maybe not even much, but just a little. I think it was, it was perfect and meant to be that he just kind of stumbled upon it. At the time, too, I had an offer from Interscope on the table. And I ended up taking the Sub Pop deal over the Interscope deal because I was worried with Interscope that it was going to be, and shout out Jake, shout out to Jake One, um, that it was going to be sort of like it would be beautiful to see it mass produced, but then maybe it would get watered down or there'd be a sort of, um, I don't know, there would be a blemish to the image that I was trying to present. Some kind of disconnect. Something like that, or you know, that just maybe had their own marketing right. ideas that, um, and the artistic freedom that I had with Sub Pop that I wouldn't have got with them. If you'd even gotten to come out, you could have just been shelved and yeah. just been in the void. Yeah, in development hell and locked up, not able to put music For out. For real. Because we've all known cats and they've gone through that. For real. And I was shook about that. Yeah. I was scared. And um, so I ended up going with Sub Pop, but also it was, you know, like I said, man, what a time, like. Ish is signed with Die and, and Shabazz and Stas and Cat are signed with these sad. Mm-hmm. And it's the local juggernaut. Yeah. And the local legend with the the history and the the uh, the folklore that surrounded it. For sure. That was legendary to be able to sign with them and do it for the city, of the city, by the city. <laughs> right. Hey yo, what up, nigga? Deep space, bricks of hash, tell me how to keep taste, SMG. Uzi built into the briefcase, high power pistols, Porsches with armored doors, cups made of crystal, click off from 94, bulletproof windows, bulletproof windows. Were you hip to all of that lore and everything about that label when those talks first started? Yeah. A little like I've learned so much more yeah. and I've learned about so many more artists that are a part of that roster that I love that are dope but I, I was you know I'm, I'm can't help but be hip to the Nirvana folklore of course right. and, and what comes with that 
were people around you hip to it like that? Because when you're talking about your no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so so no, no, um, it it was it was interesting because I feel like it took a second for it to catch on, and people got real excited, but not at the initial time. I think it was exciting that like I signed a quote unquote record deal. Yeah. That I had a record potentially coming out, but saying that I signed the sub hop to like my homies, they're like, to who? You right, know? Right. Like, what do you mean? And so <laughs> it was interesting trying to like really get people to be excited about it just in my life, like yeah. like around me, you know, friends and family and stuff right. like that, who weren't hip to it and hip to the to the folklore and the history of it. And um and trying to explain to them like how monumental and just legendary this is this moment is and um they weren't getting it at the time a lot of a lot of people weren't it wasn't it wasn't that big a deal for a little bit that's so interesting because i mean there is such a huge music industrial complex that sprung up around everything associated with the bands that sub pop is associated with <clears throat> from that time but there's so much of our Seattle that doesn't have any connection to that and doesn't yeah. know anything about it. Yeah. So you have these two Seattles kind of thing. Yeah. That's Seattle in a nutshell right yeah. there for you. Yeah. It's two totally different realities taking place every day, all day. And um, I grew up right in the middle of both those worlds and was exposed to both those worlds. So it's something that I've always experienced um, Throughout my life, is uh, you know you be in the hood with your with your guys, and, and and it's a totally different reality. You know the conversations that take place, the interests, the hobbies, the musical tastes, the fashion, the food. It's all different than um, being outside of the neighborhood and uh, being with my other friends who are living totally different lives and not and neither are privy to the other's life yeah. or, or even concerned. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's interesting growing up in the middle because I'm seeing both and I, I see how that in a lot of ways they're interconnected. I mean, obviously yeah. interconnected and intertwined, but they really are so separate. And that's, um, yeah, that's, that's Seattle for you. It really is. <laughs> it really is. And it feels like it's gotten even more stark yeah, over the years. For sure. Much more. Yo, Calvin Klein panties, crop top, eye candy. Two backwards, three bottles, five zannies. Frames on, black bucket hat, watching James Bond. Nails long, colors change like crayons. Orange crush, Capricorn, born in the first month. Fine as fuck, fell in love from my first blunt. I admit, I get lost in the moment. Hips, hypnosis, watch your floss and components. With the addition of Ishmael Butler on their A&R team, Sub Pop signed Porter Ray in 2014. Sub Pop executives Megan Jasper and Tony Keywell give all the credit of Porter's signing to his mentor. There's no scenario where Sub Pop, um, I think, would have had that conversation without Ish, like bringing mm. that conversation to us. He was he was a huge uh, advocate and supporter of Porter Ray, and I mean, could a true believer of what yeah. Porter was doing. He was so excited. Porter was making some of the most important music in the city. 
and um, and he was psyched. Ish was psyched for Sub Pop to document it, and mm. and we also felt like um, after chatting with him and and getting to know him a little bit better that it would be good for us to do that. It would and it would be fun, and it deserved his music deserved to be documented. In terms of uh, Sub Pop and the constellation, I think that um, Sub Pop, you know, has provided a platform for us. I look at us as allies, as comrades, you know, and they've <clears throat> they've almost been like, you know, like the vessel in a lot of ways, you know what I mean, to to push our art. We'll get deeper into Porter's story after a short break. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. After signing to Sub Pop, it'd still be years before he'd make an official release on the label. But that didn't hold Porter back from continuing to put out new music and coming into his own. Shortly after the deal, he put out a mixtape called Fundamental. Back row, metro, backpack, Patagonia pesto, five panel hat, Nike presto, Gore-Tex, RLX, Magnum latex, Manic skate decks. Mongoose, BMX, Benbridge, Baguettes, Eddie Bauer, EB Tech, Black Hammer's hot, cold ice, keep me wet. Avoid the boys, marijuana make me paranoid, Crown Vic convoys, chrome carry toys, cold cheese and Columbia fleece, a north face, northwest, your chest shattered like a floral vase, Chardonnay, Chevrolet, gas pedal getaway, slide out to the hideout back in federal way. Fundamentals was both a victory lap for the sub-pop signing and a reaffirmation of Porter as a herald of the Central District. As the title implies, Porter was tapping into old-school aesthetics and flow on the record. His voice is a bridge between the CD that Ishmael Butler grew up in and the one that Porter experienced. My grandmother watching Gunsmoke, just a young nigga broke, trying to swallow blunt smoke. Now she in the kitchen cooking up some soul food. My uncle smoke roots, fucking up my whole mood. My auntie's talking shit back and forth while we eat. My cousin's freestyling back porch to the beast. Yo, a bullet turned my brother to a picture on the wall. So I crumble up the chronics with the swisher, let it fall. Hit the weed twice. Breathe life, shoot sevens, get my cheese right. I squeeze dice in a circle in the street lights. With weed pipes, white Puma class, G nights. Hella high in house parties off the East Pipe. Puff, puff, pass, trying to get his ass back. Cuddy keep crapping out, trying to get this cash back. Goons grasp gas and Gore-Tex, mad black, black strap hidden in my North Face backpack. Black, black. black strap. Constellation family and spiritual practitioner Nagara Kudumu 
equates Porter's style and hip-hop at large to the legacy of the blues. I've listened to enough hip-hop to know the difference between poor delivery and great delivery, and Porter has amazing delivery. He tells a story that is not palatable, I think, always. Um, and that's a conversation within hip-hop that will continue to happen. I think that for young people, there is a necessary space that needs to be held for them to figure all of the messy stuff of life. And I think for that, Porter's music will continue to have a space. If we're looking within African-American music, hip-hop in some ways has been a continuation of many of the topics that were always broached within blues music. You know, I have, again, through my spiritual practice, particularly as a practitioner of conjure, you know, gone back and listened to a lot of these blues musicians and listened to the stories that they were telling and them stories as wild as hell. That is a necessary part of our story mm -hmm. that deserves to be told and there deserves to be a space for it. And but again, to those conversations that are about us and for us. Mm -hmm. That is why I think those spaces are important to continue to have and to hold space for for us to have multi-generations within that to contextualize it and critically assess it for ourselves rather than um, having social mores and ways of being and doing that are not ours imposed upon us. Uh, all I know is that strategize, run it back. Rubber bands, racks, look inside the mind of a Mac. Manipulate, calculate, cake, duplicate, penetrate. Till heaven's gate, I pursue my fate. Play a shit, pass the time playing chicks. Like dominoes and poker chips. Lit, smoking zips. Yo, I spit sauce. Lacoste, cashmere, soft. Why you trying to floss? I'm preparing for a loss. While still waiting to make his proper debut, Porter continued to experiment. If Fundamentals was back to the basics, 2016's Electric Rain was practiced and looking toward the future. Linked up with producer Telefresco, Porter was now rapping over lush electronic beats that feel more like something you'd hear on a Fortet record. Uh, silver 745s, lean back, letting shorty drive. 747s, letting shorty fly. Shopping out of town, anything in shorty size. Prada on the pussy, Chanel shorty eyes. Fendi on the feet, fingers holding the lie. Celine dreams, Alexander McQueen jeans. Dolce, backwards, rose and some Riesling. When I first was introduced to Tella and started hearing these beats, I really enjoyed them, but it was such a puzzle to figure out how to rhyme over these things. And so I, it ended up becoming a full project because I really was trying to just crack the code on every one of them. And I felt like it was this experimental phase that I could go through that was also music uh, that I was trying to create to perform live. Because, you know, you got the ill loops and everything like yeah. that. But it doesn't always translate. And we had started doing some festivals and things. And so I felt like I needed a different texture to bring. This and that, aristocrats and bucket hats, blowing sweets and bucket seats, Hennessy and hood rats, the slickest cats. 
this is mine. Aristocrats in bucket hats, blowing sweets in bucket seats. Hennessy and some hood rats. Hennessy and hood rats. Hennessy and hood rats. Hennessy and hood rats. Hennessy and. Yeah, the slickest cast, this and that. Aristocrats in bucket hats, blowing sweets in bucket seats. Hennessy and hood rats, Hennessy and some hood rats. Hood rats. While he continued to refine his sound and build up his reputation, Porter still had some lingering self-doubt, particularly around the sound of his voice, something he says he still struggles with. I'm real uncomfortable with my voice. I still struggle with trying to hit the right pitch I want or get it to sound how I want when I hear the record. You know, the first time you hear yourself, of like, course, or yeah. when you hear, you hear the voicemail yeah, or whatever, you yeah. know, and then you hear yourself for the first time. And so I've always been, like, uncomfortable with my voice, which has played a part in, like, how I approach it when I'm rhyming because on different projects, my voice sounds different. Sometimes it's higher. Sometimes it's lower. Um, sometimes it's... it's it's uh, yeah, more sing-songy. Sometimes sure. it's like more serious or whatever. And um, it's something that I'm still trying to get used to. But again, it's, it's so saying that is because I've had to embrace that. And I, I embrace it as something that's unique about me. But I wish I sounded like Big or Jigga or somebody, you know, or like had, you know, or had the voice. You know, I always felt like my voice was so soft and so light and kind of airy. And so it felt, at times, uh, it was a struggle to feel confident as an MC. It's it's something that, again, I've had to adapt and accept. Now I just lean into it fully and and try to make my voice as distinct as possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Niggas dying over cheap jewelry. Peep this week's movie, freaks speak loosely. Get smoked by a cheap Uzi over gold chains with white Jesus. Reporters watch the life leave us. Officers tape the crime scene up. The sky spinning, close your eyes, sleep peacefully. Pray before you eat with me. Brody, stare at the east with me. The sunrise, look at the nexus. I'm cooking breakfast, flexing. Another young life, they took his necklace. Paid his dues, daily news, make his face famous. I think all artists got to deal with that. I think it's it's especially difficult in hip-hop because it's so competitive and there's so much machismo and bravado and arrogance that comes with it. And I, I got much insecurity and doubt about it. The way to battle it for me with the shows, number one, is preparation. If I can perform it back to front to back, when my eyes closed, my hand tied behind my back upside down in a tank of water, then then it's good. And I, I've had to learn, don't get too fucked up, man. You get right. up there and embarrass yourself. But also it is like a thing that I've had to get over and that you got to get over where you put something out there and you got to realize that there's going to be people who don't like it. And there's going to be people who do like it. And there's going to be hella people who don't care at all. And I eventually got to the point where like I like, I anticipate, like, I wonder what people are going to say about it. Like, I like putting my art in the world because I want to hear what people are going to say, good or bad. And I realize that's kind of part of the purpose of it is, like, to give them something to talk about, you know, because everybody needs something to talk about. So that's right. We're going to give them something. 
And I, I like being the creator of that. I made glorious music, hoping that he would listen to it. When he flossing on rims or when he pitching to it. Addicted to his soundtracks, to his lifestyle. When my uncle heard the shit, he put his pipe down. Passion of the Christ. Pray before he lied down. Pregnant with a Pisces. Aries is his wife now. But it, it, it is tough. Trying to be, uh, quote unquote, cool. Or sure. down. Or whatever, you know. <laughs> trail is you know you start to feel those pressures but I've also learned to lean into what's unique about me if I like how I dress and it's something that maybe the next next man won't wear that's okay yeah and I, I you know and I have to remind myself that like that's again part of the strength because uniqueness and honesty is so much of the strength but yeah, when I find myself in those moments of of feeling insecure, feeling like, you know, unsure about who I am or what I represent, then I got to remind myself to just lean into my uniqueness. I talk to the homies and we talk about like how we grew up and the experiences that we've been through. And uh, then it, it, it recharges me and gives me the shield that I need. A constant in Porter's early life and career was Joy Brannon, his one-time girlfriend, mother of his child. Joy and Porter shared a bond that went beyond romance. Joy and me met in high school at Cleveland. I had left all day. This is after my father had passed, so I stopped going all day. I started going to Cleveland. And I had kind of known who she was prior to that. Um, just because, again, Seattle, and we all kind of bump into each other and grow up around each other. And I met her at Cleveland. I remember the first time I met her, she was walking in into school, and I opened the door for her. <laughs> and she said, I don't need nobody to open the door for me. <laughs> it started yelling at me, you know, or whatever. She took offense to it. And um, I just laughed at her. And ever since then, we we started bonding. So we started hanging out in high school a lot. And, and Joy, too, was very musical. She was a songstress and a writer. She was always writing poetry, just an artist, true artist. She played guitar. We would cut class together. She would just play guitar and like sing me her songs and read me her poems. And we spent a lot of time together, lived together, um, we're best friends, ended up becoming involved with each other and having a baby boy and being able to remain best friends. And um, I mean, yeah, she's, you know, like my soulmate. She, um, her birthday is actually the day that my brother passed away. Wow. Which is, was always ill to me. It was always ill. It used to mess up. Um, it used to mess it up for her sometimes on her birthday because I'd be in a mood or something some sure. years. But um, that was always ill to me. My son was born the day after my father passed. My oldest he was born the day after my father passed, and he was actually due on the day that my father passed. So it was ill to have her birthday on the day my brother passed. My son born from her. Yeah. Day after my father passed, and so me and her got this cosmic sort of connection and man one of the truest just honest most honest people you know like she gonna come in the room and, and she gonna let everybody know she there she gonna tell you how she feel man a huge force and uh just a great mother um a true friend she spent a lot of time incarcerated like while we was friends and while my son was born. 
I'll visit her a lot and write her a lot. She would write me a lot. And uh, that too will kind of really strengthen our bond and our relationship to each other. And uh, yeah, just one of the illest people I ever met. And then uh, it was truly my pleasure to spend any time that I got with her. A lot of people might say, you know, maybe kind of rough around the edges or aggressive, but just, you know, she wore a heart on her sleeve and she was dealing with real life. Three years after getting signed to Sub Pop, Porter finally made his debut with the label in 2017 with his album, Watercolor. For Porter, it wasn't just an opportunity to establish himself with a wider audience, it was a chance for him to revel in his own artistry. Specifically with watercolor and the way that I approach rap, I like to think of myself as an artist and as a painter. Um, and I always fantasized when I was younger about going to art school and becoming a painter. And that was my way of waving my paintbrush. From a nigga got shot in the face And all my homeboys got caught in the case B.I.G. locks, I was bopping the mace Madison Block had his rock in the base Chased by a cop with a sock full of beige Face front page, put a bullet in your braze We all die young, caught by a stray Shoebox money moved up to a safe Yeah, pounds in the fridge White t-shirt, tray pound on my hip iPhone 6 with an ounce in the whip Alpine pump, dog pound in the click Bounce to the shit, blend in my ear Switch lane, see my son in the mirror. Gun in my gear, someone in the fear. Chasing my dreams, I ain't running from fear. Chances are slim when you coming from here. You have always struck me as like a super craftsman when it comes to it. Your timing, your word choice, your beat choice, everything. Yeah, I um, I definitely try to approach it as um, and learn about it as as a as a true musician, and so. Uh, even though my voice is my instrument, I'm still trying to study as much as I can, and um, and 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 really take the art as you know as as serious as as I think it is. Again, we were talking about documentation. Yeah. Um, it's part of our culture, our history, and so it's a very serious thing to me, and like a very serious tradition. Yeah, that I feel um, that I have to like uphold. Coke, white Harlem's. Know a few chicks who like Coke and got problems. Couple of my partners sell dope with gold bottoms. Infrared beam scopes, coos with low mileage. Blunt full of dream smoke, Snoop in the hybrid. North face hiving, face looking fine. But there's no denying that the Sub Pop deal meant more visibility for Porter in the broader musical landscape. And with that, a chance to put his city on the map for hip hop. His city is all over that album. Watercolor is packed with features from folks like Ish, Moni, Stas. His people like Nate, Jack, Castro, Dad, and the legendary Central District MC, Infinite. That was another big thing for me, especially with the Watercolor album, but also with all of my music. I've always wanted to work with my people. And so like when we were saying with Black Gold, I was trying to define the sound for Seattle, but also I felt like the best way to do it was to just work with the people that I'm around. And, and so from, you know, the vocalists, to the MCs, to whoever's mixing it, to the producers, was all people I had direct contact with that I probably grew up with in a lot of ways. And I really tried to do that with watercolor too, with the skits, with everything. I, I wanted to get as many people as I could to be a part of the whole project. 
With the release of Watercolor, Porter also got his first opportunity to do a full nationwide tour. For an artist who'd spent years playing venues in his hometown, suddenly he was getting to see how his music was resonating in places he'd never been to. He brought along part of his Seattle crew, including longtime producer B-Rock and one of his partners in rhyme, Tacoma MC Bruce Leroy. Yeah, we was riding together, man. We had Airbnbs and hotels, so like in every city, you know, San Francisco, that was the first time I performed. Now, I'd never been there and performed, so that was the first time I got nervous for a show. Because normally I don't look at it at the crowd, but I remember like walking in for sound check, like, damn, this got three stories. You know what I'm saying? It's a theater and shit. I'm like, oh, shit, this, this ain't Numo's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So so I I look out, I, look, I go out the wrong door, and I see all these people. I'm like, oh, shit. Man, I was nervous for that. But we bodied that, too. We bodied that. I was watching Shabazz every night trying to get familiar with a lot of the music. Because at that time, like, I had only heard, like, the album that dropped whenever I met Porter. That's all they was playing over and over and over. But they was going in the catalog. And I was, like, asking, like, yo, where is these songs at? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I was just watching their performance every night. And they was just icy. Ish come out. Ish, I mean, Ish come out with the cold. He got the coldest gold chain of all the chains ever made. And it's not even a chain, but it's a chain, though. It's the coldest. You know what I'm saying? I just ironed my shit, man. I didn't know what else to do, man. That's all I could really do. Like, I didn't even, I was wearing, like, basics, like, why even get dressed? You know what I'm saying? Just wear a white tee. Like, these guys is wearing, like, they're just beyond my ideas of fashion. I'm not even going to think to where even like put that together, bro. Like, it's like watching somebody who could break dance hella good and then they tell you to go. And you like, <laughs> shit, I, <laughs> I don't even, even want to do that. That's how I was feeling. I was watching they show. I was like, damn, like their performances was shows. I can't waste my time. It's you. You can't see the sky. It's blue. Going on the road was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. I really felt alive being on the road. And I felt like I was fulfilling my purpose in life. And it's it's very exciting. It's tough work. It's tough work. And I, I learned a lot and, you know, made a bunch of mistakes, but also got a lot of blessings out of it. But it was very exciting being from one city to the next, meeting different people, seeing the atmosphere of the city, feeling, starting to, like, be able to gauge the energy of what the show's going to be because I'm in this city or I'm in that city. Connecting with people, meeting people, really exciting. It's an adventure every day. And, you know, I was astonished a lot of the time when people would already know who I was. And, or they came to the show because they'd already heard the music and were a fan of the music. Or maybe they were at the show for the first time and were transformed into a fan. When I was on tour with Shabazz, obviously, it's packed. Most of the shows sold out. When I was on tour by myself, 
if it was a festival or something like that, yeah, then it'd be filled up. But there were times where we, there might be like five people, sure. ten people in the crowd. And but there might be like four of them that are like nah, yeah. but I know I knew you were gonna be here, and I came to listen to your tunes tonight. Right. And so it was very humbling, but also again very stimulating and like motivating. In the middle of the emotional high of touring, tragedy struck Porter again. While on a tour stop in Austin, Texas, he got word that his soulmate Joy had passed away. Joy had passed. So for the watercolor tour, when I went yeah. on tour with Shabazz, Joy had passed, and I would always do arithmetic that's got her singing at the end, and I would let it play for every song, and then kind of break down what was going on. And there was this intimate connection that I had been able to make with all of these different crowds all over the country. That's my shade. Say good night. Good night. Good night, baby. Thank you. Hi. Oh, peace. Okay, okay, bye, 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 baby. Love you. Can I ask how she passed? She passed in a car crash. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, while I was on tour, I was at, I was in Texas on South by at South by Southwest. Uh, her family's from Texas. And so, like, I think either the night before or, like, the two nights before, maybe. But while I was down there, she was talking about how um, she was going to take our son to Texas and go visit her family and stuff. And she had never been on a plane. So I'm I'm all nervous, like, man, are you sure, man? You know, she's trying to go without me or whatever. And I think it was, like, right before because then I ended up being in Texas um, when she passed away. This is a week after Watercolor came out. Wow. Um, and uh, on and on St. Patrick's Day, which is a uh, it's a big day for me and my family, right? From my dad's side, so that was another ill sort of uh, cosmic coincidence. Um, but yeah, she uh, she never seatbelt on, and the driver was drunk, and they got into a wreck on the freeway, and uh, she ended up passing away. She was the only one in the car that passed away. When you write about and process uh, about the people, uh, who have passed on that you've known? Does it feel, does it still feel raw when you perform these things? Does it feel like healing? <clears throat> yeah, both. Sometimes um, it does feel like healing, especially on stage. Performing it um, is healing. But um, it's tough trying to capture those moments, to even revisit those moments. 
when you gotta look in the mirror and go inside yourself and really face those demons and face those fears, that's a tough thing. And um, sometimes I really enjoy, again, especially when I'm performing, I really enjoy hearing her voice or hearing those lyrics, performing those lyrics. But um, a lot of times when I'm by myself, I gotta skip over a lot of those records because it's, you know, it's my real life. Yeah. And it is, it is very, it's, it's very difficult at times to, to face that. And it's tough to, again, try to procure that rhyme out of you that puts that picture together or discusses that situation. How can I say it so it's ill and not just scream it or, you know, say it in a cheap way. Like, yes. how can I still make it eloquent and make it sound ill, but make it honest and, and make it so it still means something to me? We talk about continuum often on this podcast. The past, present, and future in conversation through the lives of the artists of the Constellation. As much as Porter has experienced with those he's lost, he also sees toward the future through his two sons, Aaron and Skye. Being a father is... is an ill thing. It's an ill thing. It's, uh, it's very difficult... It's expensive, I'll tell you that. But it's so fulfilling. And it's changed me in so many ways, knowing that not like it's over for me, but having to embrace the future and let go of the past in a lot of ways, because it's not over and I can still do what I want and chase my dreams and be who I want to be, pursue what I want. But I do have to <clears throat> remind myself, number one, to treat that with care because I got people coming up under me, my boys, but also to create space for them within that so that they can do the exact same thing. It's something that's changed over time, how I approach rhyme. I think about <clears throat> records that I made and um, shit that I'm saying, whatever, that I wouldn't say in front of my children and that I, I probably wouldn't want them to listen to. Even shit that I grew up listening to, where it's, it's tough. I try to find the balance because I want them to be exposed to it, but also I want them to really retain their innocence and their purity before you start getting exposed to different shit. And it's the most, you know, like hip hop is the most beautiful thing to me, but it also did like direct me in certain ways or influence me to do certain things that I thought was cool or, or whatever. Um, so it's, it's, it affects how I rhyme. It, it that's, what re- that's what defines me. I'm gonna say that. That's what defines me. If, I, if, I, if I'm defined by anything in this life, I wanna be defined um, by the father that I am. And so I try to do my best to to um, 
to be the best father that I can be. My children are most important to me, and I quit rap tomorrow and, uh, you know, work at the fucking post office if, if that's what my kids needed me to do um, or whatever, you know, like. That's the most joy that I get. That's the most fulfillment, even more than than being on stage. Anything else, being with my kids is when I feel like that's that's real life. And it's so funny because like things that I love too, like hoop. I love hoop, and I grew up. I mean, love hoop to death still. But I love it even more, and I have even more fun watching my my son hoop than I ever had playing ball. I spent many hours playing ball, but I get more out of it by just watching him enjoy himself. I get more out of it when, you know, my sons be rapping to me or when they got a song that they want to play me. Um, and so that self, so being a dad uh, is what defines me. And fatherhood to me is like the most important thing I got going, especially at this moment, at least, you know, because my boys, my oldest is 10. What's up, A? And my youngest is five. What's up, Sky? And uh, they, their, their, their adolescence is fleeting, and this is like the sweet spot right now, where um, I could still, you know, wrestle with them, tickle them, and kiss on them, and hug them, and that we're still tight, and they still want to be around me. Yeah. That is difficult, but it is. It's it's the most important thing to me, man, and it's it's the best it's the best thing going. It must reflect growing up with your pops, and um, yeah, I was lucky enough to have a dad who was really engaging and uh, really supportive, and was around, who was with my mom. I was lucky enough to have both my parents together, and again, my dad was very active. Um, you know, and set a great example for me. It's super important for me to be in my kids' lives and try to be a good father and spend time with them. Um, and I, I owe that to my pops. I appreciate it, pops. Yo, pops died, but I'll see his face when I'm killed. Shots fired, bullets in my face from the still crossfire. Caught up in this game, you was love. Mom squeezed, mama, we exchanging them shells. Street wars, everybody blasting the field. Took a detour, baby, we the last of the world. Nigga, three, four, five, dudes, cash from the pill. East side, young niggas flashing they grill. West side, young niggas flashing they grill. South side, young niggas... Intratech is the label and crew started by Jeff Gillis, Malcolm Norris, and Porter Ray. The roster includes Porter, Nate Jack, Bruce Leroy, and Castro, all gifted practitioners of fly rhyming game that's specific to their section. It really is kind of the perfect imprint for how we approach this art form um, and the taste level that we want it to be at and the standard that we want to set and the aesthetic that we want to bring to the game. So it's like it's another tribe yes. within the constellation. I feel like within the constellation, there are these different tribes yeah. that form and squadrons that form that just got specific tactics that uh, we're trying to employ um, in, as part of the whole mission. Right. Um, and so that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the label. Bruce Leroy recalls 
first meeting Porter Ray and his crew at Soundcheck at a local venue. When I first went to uh, met P at, at the uh, at Studio Seven, it was a Soundcheck. P comes and he's like, "Yo, what's up? My name's Porter Ray." Shakes everybody's hand, but I see him shake like twenty niggas' hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, "Yo, what is this nigga? What is he doing?" Like. He got to meet everybody in here. You know what I'm saying? This shit is... All right, man. But as I as I did way more shows with him, that's like, that's just who he is. You know what I'm saying? He's going to make sure he, everybody knows he's personable. You know what I'm saying? He really care. He want to say what's up. Like, I'm a little more reserved. I'm like looking and shit where the exits are. <laughs> so it's just a little, it's just different from the nigga that I came up there with. But anytime you could touch the stage with that many people on it, you know, you the nigga the moment, you know? And, you know, he always uh, gonna, gonna take that, you know, opportunity. I'm ready, big. Turn this shit up. Yeah, some jazzy shit. Shit feel classy. Yeah, shit feel classy. Yeah, I'm white teed up. Dope boy sweatpants. Nike from the feet up. Jeezy lighting tree up. Me and Castro in the coupe. Try and jeopardize our lives. It's only natural that we shoot. Yeah, I'm rolling naturals when I shoot. I feel like the, the scene sees me. I feel like they get me. I feel like... I got more work to do. The scene is only who contributes to it. And so I've kind of been on hiatus a little bit. And so who am I to speak on the scene? Um, because I haven't been contributing to it. And um, I've been absent. It's true. Porter Ray's presence in the Seattle music scene in the past couple of years has been sporadic. In a time where artists and rappers especially Feel pressed to release a project every three to six months just to stay active in the marketplace. It's been almost two years since we've heard new music from Porter. He's only performed live a couple of times since venues even started reopening post-pandemic lockdown. Feeling like um, it's been a minute and uh, to be reintroducing myself onto the circuit and being able to get a chance to perform again, I've been feeling like I, uh, I got to come out and make a statement. Not only am I making a statement for myself, but just a statement for um, live performing artists. That when we get out there and, and uh, get in front of an audience, you know, we got to um, continue to prove that uh, that shit is magic. It's one thing to be regarded as the future of Seattle's story music scene or the city's next truly significant artist. It's another thing entirely to roll up your sleeves and make sure that promise is fulfilled. The props, the credit, the accolades are all ephemeral. The work is the only thing that lasts. I like to show and prove. What it really comes down to is just putting in the work, keeping your head down, showing it, proving it, um, and then letting the people decide how they feel about it. One of Porter's objectives moving forward is to reestablish that connection to Seattle's rap scene and to help it grow. One of the many topics we've touched on during this series is that Seattle has one of the most overlooked hip-hop communities in America. Porter wants to do his part to make Seattle too substantial to ignore when it comes to rap. It's 
Yeah, yeah. Young queen, gems, jeans, and an ice cream. Brown skin, blue dream, make her eyes gleam. She eat good, dress good, blow the best good. New Versace, finished Vivian West. I want to. Garner respect for the art form that I love so much and the culture that I'm a part of and that I love and hold so dear to me. I want to continue to have a space to represent my culture, my art form, my neighborhood, my family, my people. I want to create a scene in Seattle that's bubbling, that's upholding the tradition, that's well-respected, that's contributing positively to the culture and to our community specifically. And um, I want to continue to try to contribute to the individuality of the artist and the uniqueness of the artist, regardless of the medium. I wanna create an environment where myself and the people around me have opportunity and can live good. The thing about this story is that it's ongoing. None of the members of Black Constellation have retired or stepped away from creating art. We're all still working, all still trying to contribute meaningful things to the world. The book is yet to be closed. I think that looking back on it, um, as we continue in our careers and, and, and grow as humans, this would be a period that's looked back on as almost like a renaissance period from a group of people who um, were sort of paving the way for a golden era in a time of, of just endless mediocrity. And I think that um, it, it'll, it'll shine a lot brighter you know, someday we'll just get better with time and continue to shine brighter as time goes on. And I think that individually, all of, for all of us, the this, this sky's the limit, you know, and that we're, um, you know, we're, we're all going to surpass um, what even any of us think is, is on the horizon for us. Porter just crushed that shit. The Black Constellation is, is, is years in the making. It, it, it wasn't something that was mapped out because it was unbeknownst. The only thing that that cast knew was to do it. You know what I'm saying? And to find your family like that. This, it's a story of that more than anything. Man, we've been working on this podcast for months. And it's been, it, it was so daunting and <laughs> daunting to the point that it made me go into my procrastination bag to, to a point where it, I think it held things up for sure and, and put us on track to like, we got to crank out a new thing every week. I think that kept it fresh. But for us to step out the gate with our first talk-based narrative podcast on the level that I feel like this, this is, not to pat ourselves on the back, but... <laughs> Like, we really did that. Shout out to everybody who helped make this a living thing because I feel like this points to a story beyond the stories that are being told. 
that is so important that that captures a flavor and an understanding of this place that has been lost and wallpapered over in all the ways we've discussed throughout this podcast, you know? Absolutely. Doing this podcast, it exceeded my wildest ambitions for what kind of stories we could tell. And yeah, just all of the the incredible themes that we got to talk about, like the history of Seattle, the history of erasure in Seattle, about sexuality, about music, like just all different kinds of music. And like, not only that, but ancestry and grief and really heavy stuff like there there were things that I had no idea about getting beneath the surface and talking to these artists and hearing you talk to these artists and it has been such a beautiful amazing process and so labor intensive that again you know I'm yeah. I'm going to therapy I'm you know this it's it's one of those things where yeah, it's been real it's been real heavy, but that that heft comes with a reward. It's absolutely been the most rewarding creative endeavor I think I've ever been a part of. I've been making art in some form or fashion most of my life and I am beyond proud of this. It's a love story to this place, but not just to this place, to connection, to truth, to the ancestors, to the future. And I hope that it inspires others to approach their art, their relationships, their their day, their families in a way that reflects all of the incredible stories, histories, passions encapsulated in this podcast. I hope that more artists are privileged to find community the way that the the folks in the Constellation have together. And I hope that they're privileged to be able to work with a team like the people who brought you this podcast and are able to make something like this. I know that there's a lot of inspiration that people have already felt because they've been telling us that the whole time. I know I've felt boundless amounts of inspiration because of the work on this. And uh, it's made what has been a rather Herculean workload feel like 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 flying down the highway with the top down you know what i'm saying and i and i'm really supremely grateful for it this episode of fresh off the spaceship was written produced and edited by martin douglas janice headley dusty henry isabel khalili and myself larry Mizell jr audio was produced and mastered by julian martlew with additional audio editing by Janice Headley. We want to thank Sub Pop Records and all the members of the Black Constellation for giving us permission to include their music in this episode. We also want to thank our volunteers, Elena Clark and Natalie Venn, for their work transcribing interviews. Lastly, we'd like to express gratitude to Gabriel Teodros and Jackson Long for their continued support throughout this series. Hi, I'm Isabel Khalili. I'm part of the team that's been making this podcast. And I wanted to give our final word of gratitude to you all who've been listening along and following the series. 
It's meant a lot to us to hear from you. We feel very supported. We feel excited and energized to do more podcasts like this in the future. So definitely stay tuned. But first, you know, this podcast wouldn't be complete if I didn't remind you that KEXP is listener funded freedom to bring you projects like Fresh Off the Spaceship. Uh, so you can show your support now by making a donation at our special link, kexp.org slash fresh. Or of course, it's just as meaningful to rate, review, or share the series with a friend. We really hope you've enjoyed and um, gotten something out of the experience of this podcast like we all have. Thank you. Yeah, Isabel. Yeah, all right. <laughs>